0: Hello and welcome to the Super Show podcast. Today I am your host Alex Jones. It is great to see you on this Monday. If you're watching this live right now, I'm going to uh, read the comment from Ben Smith that says, "These Mondays, these Monday shows never fail to make the crappy start of the week a little bit better." Great timing, guys. Well, um, I'm very glad that we can improve the beginning of your week. I'm here with Jamie, as always, the absolute legend, the one and only, my fellow in Starfield playing now because he's rocking a new rig, so we can. Both I guess
1: play. so. Although I hate to break it to you, James, I'm pretty sure there are millions of us at this point. So I don't know if that makes our relationship that special. I prefer it if you focus on one of the other many number of things that bond us, like our love for lemonade. Our love for lemonade. I'm currently
0: today partaking in uh, Schwepp's um, Slimline Lemonade.
1: Look at that lovely blue can. So a little. Wait, you see that, Schweppes? Not sponsored, but it could be. You hear, did you hear that Ah, oh, the... Holding the cat. Look, I should hold it so you can see the name. But now I can't drink going, it. No, you're going full Wayne's World now. Is it the choice <laughs> of a new generation? Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, we are a gaming podcast. So
0: that is what we're here for. We're not here to talk about Schweppes Lemonade. Um, I'm just drinking that because it is low-fat and it's tasty. What can I say? Do you ever do that where you don't try something for ages and then you try it
1: and then you think, oh, yeah, that's actually pretty decent? You know what? I had that the other day when it was... Um, Around 32 degrees, I think, here, down in London at least, which, you know, uh, as always when you talk about temperature, there are going to be some people in pretty exotic parts of the world that remind you that that is nothing compared to, like, sub-Saharan Africa. It's like, I know, that's that's not the point. It was warm <laughs> for here. Um, and I realised, you know what's great? Talking about low-fat liquids, water really fucking hits the spot. I love um, water. So just, a, just nice cold water, especially if you're dehydrated. I like to do what I like to call... I haven't brought it to TikTok yet, but I call it the dehydration challenge, which is um, no liquids of any kind for 48 hours with temperatures north of 30 degrees centigrade. And then when you feel like you're going to pass out, you drink as much water as you want. And oh my, what a rush. It may like, I'm never individual views normal. of the hosts are not endorsed by the management. Do not
0: dry. What's the well, word? Do not dehydrate yourself. Thank you for yeah. hours and then drink as much water as you can.
1: Jonesy's right, don't do it, but at the same time, the word challenge does imply that, you know, th- th- make of what you will. I'll put it this way, Jonesy, like, I'm never going to be one of those guys to do, uh, like, having a asphyxi wank, or whatever you call them. Like, the way that the guy who played Kill Bill died, um, but I can... when David I do, Ka- the, Is that David Carradine? Is that how he died? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they found him... Um, uh, tied up out. In a... Um, in a Thailand hotel, with a rope, one rope around his neck and another rope around his balls. Jesus Christ! Oh, which is like, what a way to go out. What a life to live. And the dehydration challenge is what it gives me similar vibes. Uh, erotic asphyxiation. I like the term
0: wank, but yeah, to each <laughs> their own. <laughs> um, it is more descriptive your way so uh, we know okay. what he was doing at the time um like let me give a quick shout out to us because we are on youtube and uh x we are at super show pod we are available across all major podcasting platforms not just the show on youtube that we are doing at the moment live but shout out to the people who are, are watching us live um casually filthy joel brimstone ben smith silk sorry slick i always do that it's not silk <laughs> It's slick um great to see you all in the chat um We're also on PaisleyRadio.com, Thursdays at 10pm, and we are repeated Mondays at 10pm. But Despite us talking about sort other stuff, we are a video game podcast, and today we will be talking about Unity and the absolute state of what they're doing to themselves at the moment. Uh, We will be touching on the Nintendo Direct and the PlayStation State of Play from this past week, and we may have time for a little bit of a discussion around the Apple iPhone 15 Pro, which is dipping its toes into the console gaming arena. Not in that they're making a console, but in that they want to play some of the games. Um, we're up against it in a little bit of time this week, so I'm going to hop straight in, Jamie, um, because whilst I saw it on X, discussed at you know at some length, I kind of ignored it and glossed over it. But um, <laughs> you were filling me in before the pod that Unity have decided to um, burn some bridges um, this week, haven't they? And you have. Shall I give the oh, let me give the folks at home the rundown that you very kindly. Uh, typed up some stuff for me and then um, we'll get into yeah, it. Sure. you can sort of um, blow it apart and tell us a little bit more about it and so people like me that have dallied with making games in the past may have uh, given unity a little bit of a go because it is a uh, a widely used games engine and it's a good development platform to utilize and they had quite an appealing um, um what do you call it like fiscal model in that they allowed people to uh, take advantage of their platform to make games to get into it and they charged you in a way that meant if you were a small individual person and you was trying to make a game you could effectively do it for free you could use some really amazing software and you could make phenomenal games they have decided that they will change their business model um, and they're going to be introducing a new monthly fee uh, a monthly fee based model whereby they will charge a developer based on or publisher, the number of um, installs that a game has, so that is going to completely turn on its head um, the way things used to work. So let me qu- let me tell me if this is right, Joe, if this sounds right. Yeah. In the past, if you were an indie developer and you made a game and you uh, you released it and you charged one pound and like ten thousand people installed it, you would probably have to pay nearly nothing because you're only charging a pound and you're an indie dev and you weren't really making any money. And so they would say, how much money do you make? You'd tell them, I make 10,000 pounds a year. And they would
1: say, you don't have to pay anything.
0: Or you may be like a hundred quid, 10 quid, something like that.
1: The model- Yeah, bit, like- yeah, Sorry, yeah, if go, you, were, if you If your revenue or funding was less than $100,000 over the course of one individual year, then you could stick to a free Unity personal license. Um, of course, there would be fees in other places. For example, if you were selling that game on Steam, then Valve would be taking a cut, but that's obviously nothing to do with the engine you're using.
0: And the, but what they've done now is they've flipped it so that if you did that and you uh, you gave that game away for, or gave it away, but you sold it for a pound and ten thousand people installed it in one month, you would now have a reasonably hefty amount of money uh, compared to past that you'd have to pay.
1: Not if not if you just got those core ten thousand um, downloads. Um, even, if still, one, even if it's one, even it's in one month. Yes, yeah, there, there okay. thre- there's still a threat. There's still an annual threshold you need to pass. But this could mean that, for example, you could create Jonesy's Wacky Adventure via Unity and give it away for free. And the first two hundred thousand people that downloaded it for free, it's absolutely fine because you're selling it for free. They're getting it for free. The second, the two hundred thousand and first person downloads Jonesy's Wacky Adventure, the free-to-play PC game that you made for your fans. You owe Unity 20 cents or 16p.
0: Oh, okay, okay. So I was a little off. I thought that it was like a monthly thing. So if you did 10,000 in one month, they would say over a year, that's 120,000. So they would start, they would charge you money. But okay, let me go through what you've told I'm, let me. Let's get, let's get to it. Okay, so, um, um, know so what, I'm going to let you do it. Because I'm reading your notes here, and I'm like, I'm going to completely annoy and at this. Let's switch this up. Let's Jamie can take the lead on this before I completely butcher this story. Um, yes, go on,
1: mate, if you're up for it. I mean, also like you talk about like the example that we just game went through of Jonesy's wacky adventure. Some people are probably listening to that and thinking, well, like yeah, the Unity sort of like free personal license model wasn't that bad to begin with. And if your game is being downloaded 200,000 times, then maybe you should be giving like some money away to Unity. The thing that um, wasn't necessarily considered and wasn't ironed out particularly well by Unity when they started to initiate these changes or suggested these changes, um, that would be rolling in um, as of January of next year, were that there are a number of different reasons, a number of different ways in which games are downloaded and subsequently installed. Some games, as we mentioned, like Jonesy's uh, Wacky Adventure, um, is, are completely free. If Jonesy's Wacky Adventure got downloaded a million times, you would have made zero money, Jonesy, but you would owe Unity a hell of a lot of money. I'll um, uh, make the argument that's just something Jonesy would have to consider as a developer, but it's still a point. Um, dead developers potentially being charged for re-downloads, one individual user buying a game. How many times have you bought a game off Steam and deleted it and re-downloaded it? Or re-installed of course, yeah. Times, uh, for any, any number of reasons, you could do that. There are also worries that there aren't uh, proper structures in place to ensure that people who have pirated the game and then installed it are registered as essentially paying users, even though the fact that they weren't. Um, and there are a whole other number of things, uh, you know, Game Pass and other uh, subscription models, games that are given away for free temporarily, for example, like on the Epic Game Store, games that allow themselves to be a part of charity bundles, for example, on the Humble Bundle. I think I think there was a, a a developer of, I think it was, was it the Switcher or the Switch? I can't remember, that an indie game who talked about his experience being a free game on the Epic Game store where he cut a deal up front with Epic that he was very happy with. They gave him a chunk of money for the rights and or whatever it was and they made that game free. And seven million people downloaded it. If that happened to you and like and you you had made some agreement with Epic, no matter how nice that deal with Epic was, you would now owe um twenty cents on let me let me seven Gavin, million on, on On twenty cents times six point eight million, which is uh, Um, it's it's over a million quid, you know. Yeah, which all while generating no revenue. So unsurprisingly, uh, a lot of people are really unhappy with this, and and Unity have tried to kind of clarify certain points. They think they've got plans in place to ensure that a lot of the concerns around Game Pass. Uh, charity bundles, you name it. They think they've got plans in place to circumvent these issues and make sure that everything is actually fair and the people are just being compensated in the way they should be. But that has not stopped some of the biggest names and voices in the independent gaming scene, um, uh, you know, sharing their concerns. uh, Like the developers of uh, Among Us, I think they're called Inner Sloth, and um, the developers of Cult of the Lamb in particular have been very vocal. Those two are both notable as well because uh they have suggested that should these changes stick and should these um new uh this new system be implemented that they would take their future developments and both those games elsewhere like the idea of a game the size of among us being ported away from unity because of uh these changes suggests that (laughs) that they are definitely not um if nothing else not communicating these changes particularly well with indie developers and then unfortunately, Jonesy, behind the th- scenes, things just got messier. I don't know whether you want to jump into that whole ses- bit now, but yeah. Um, well, let's let's quickly go over as well, because so th- there is some weirdness
0: going on at Unity as well, because not just th- this is happening, of course. They're changing mm-hmm. the pricing structure. But at the same time, there's been some sort of shenanigans. Not necessarily shenanigans, but this possible smoke from far Alleged shenanigans. shenanigans. Um, yeah. the, uh, and so what I'm talking about here is that the CEO... Uh, John, I can't even say his name. Riccatello. Riccatello. There we go. Um, he has been uh, carefully and slowly selling off shares over the last year. He sold off two thousand shares on sixth September, but there's a, a trend over the last year where he's shifted more than fifty thousand shares in total, and he has bought none because um, obviously sometimes you know CEOs, people in companies, sell and buy, sell and buy, but he's not bought any back. Um, other members of Unity's board of directors have also sold off shares in the past few weeks um including the president of growth Toma Barziv, who sold 70 70 Jesus 37.5 thousand shares um for around 1.4 million dollars and uh Shoma Dovrat sold 68,000 um on the 30th of August around 2.5 million which does have the ring of uh jump like rats getting off of a sinking ship um, um but I suppose more so, it's it's rather than getting off the ship, it's hopping off the ship while it's being made smaller to then hop back on the ship when it's lower down, so they don't yeah. actually take a loss in the in the short term. So that when the ship starts to sail again, uh, they're some fat little rats.
1: Oh yeah. Those rats are still going to be on that ship,
0: which um, is inside. I, that's insider trading, isn't it? Like, I know it's not insider trading as per that, but it's it's shenanigans because it's shenanigans. Yeah. You can't like if you have information that the market isn't privy to and you're publicly traded, you can't like knowing you're going to take a hefty dip. That's that
1: is dodgy. You can't yeah, do that. My understanding is that it wasn't allowed. Um, isn't that basically what Yoko Taro... That, well, Yoko Taro was more explicit insider trading. But, like, that was the same thing where, like, he knew about deals that were going to get cut, and so, but he was more explicitly investing in other companies, which is, I guess, slightly more black and white. Um, I also just think that there's a really cruel irony. Like, imagine being like an employee, maybe even a low level employee of Unity, and finding out that the president of growth at your own company was selling $1.4 million worth of shares. And it's like, what about how about that growth? Hey, <laughs> how about growth? What? That sounds like shrink. Why, yeah, you, why are you trying to work? That sounds like you're concerned about a lack of growth. Sounds like someone who was invested in this company's growth might want to retain as much um, value in the company as possible. But what do it I It does. We, um, we also had stories coming out of Unity that uh,
0: they were to hold meetings with staff to sort of talk about the issue, talk about things that were going on. Um, but actually, those meetings had to be postponed because there was a credible death threat and they ended up closing a number of their offices um, and it, it was then found that the credible death threat actually came from a Unity employee. Um, the meeting has, some, I guess, since that was uh, that situation was sorted out, there has been a meeting where they've sort of been discussing what's going on at the company, um, and they've actually, you know, discussed a number of ways that they can maybe uh, improve the new pricing structure or make it um, appeal to people, appeal to developers. Um, so maybe a cap on uh, per install fees but they haven't actually come out of a policy yet to sort of rectify some of these problems. Um, Okay. Let me go slightly to the bad side and say I kind of get it. Not in the way they've implemented it, but but to say, for example, hey, um, if you get your game to get installed by 50 million people um, and you sell it for free or you give it away for free or you do anything, you know, you give it away for one penny or whatever. Um, And you become absolutely huge and you win all these awards and you do, you know, you do really well and and you and you then go on to become, you know, maybe you as the head of the company that gave that game away, then go on to personally get enriched over the course of a career. Um, Hey, that's not cool because we as a company, as Unity, we helped you make that game and we got nothing off the back of it because you gave it away for free. I could see there's some real fringe cases like that that could come into play. Like Among Us is, is a good example, right? That was a game that went viral. It was, you could get it for, you can now get it for free. It went viral. It was, I th- you could buy it right
1: at the beginning. It was really cheap though. Um, yes. Yeah. I and it. I think it also depended on which platform because it was, I think it was very popular on mobile devices where I think it was free at- Maybe to start with, or at one, but I can't remember exactly. It was weird with yeah. Among it, Us. It was kind of all over cheap. the place. Yeah, yeah
0: very, very cheap, very accessible. Uh, and then it went multi-platform, free to play, and they, yeah, they did very well. And they were like three people, I believe, that made that game. It was, um, but so I can see why they, a company who make the platform that you developed that game on, may say, "Come on, come on, guys, this is a little bit wonky." You've you may when you were small and had no money and you used us for free, um, yeah. Shouldn't you have sent us a little bag of gold when you uh, when you made a bunch of money, like the next year or a couple of years later, because we helped you get there? And there's no bags of gold that have arrived at our offices. You you sort of, you know, we take the hit when something doesn't do well, which let's face it, it's probably 99% of the people who download Unity. Like, I'm sure no money gets made. I've downloaded it and installed it numerous times. Um, oh, well. But that having been said...
1: This is a terrible, terrible way of imp- implementing this. That, that, and that's the point. Like v- game engines and sort of like game engines that anyone from you and I in our bedrooms to small independent development teams to massive AAA development teams could just go out and start using pretty much off the shelf. You know, a, a, there are a good number of them now. Everyone, including Unity, prior to this change, had figured this shit out. Like, yes, we're going to give you access to this software. We want some money when you make some money. And broadly speaking, everyone said. Hey, that sounds like a pretty good deal. If I make some money, you should make some money. Unity, I don't. Know, but Unity feel like they're. It feels like they're rocking the boat where there were there was no need to. And the like the changed again. It's the change to this sort of like download and installs measure where it's like, well, now you're shifting the conversation in the other direction. Now it's no longer a conversation about, well, we just want some of the revenue you're making. Now you don't even have to be generating revenue for we to, for us to be able to, to feel like we deserve money from you and. That that's that's where like, it becomes an unnecessary shift for me. Um, again, like this was figured out. Like Unity, like Unity had this figured out prior. Epic had this figured out. I don't even know. Like I don't. I don't even know what it's like for like Game Maker and Godot and all the like whatever. But this shit wasn't a problem. You and you've made it one. That's the thing. Well, that well. So this is the thing. That is there a
0: problem with is Unity in a little bit of trouble maybe financially? And they've actually said, really? "Hey, we need to make more money. We need to squeeze that stone and get some blood out of it a little bit more. How do we do it? I know we do this, but as you were, as you were talking about it, one thing sort of became apparent to me immediately. Like as someone who has, you know, who who's tries to um, tries a range of stuff, <laughs> like you know, making videos, doing whatever. So if I if I try and like put it into I'm at, where I'm at as like an editor." It kind of is a strange concept if, for example, um, Premiere, the program that we we both edit on, if if Adobe turned around and said, "Um, you don't have to pay us for Adobe, but if you have a video that goes viral, you have to pay us 10p per view if you get over, say, 10 million views, and we're like, ah, yeah, don't worry about it, that's never going to happen. Let's say that I go on holiday for a week, come home, some video, like, we've made this podcast, and for whatever reason, it's gone viral, right? Let's say that it goes viral and there's 20 million views. I come back from my holiday and now Adobe have sent me a bill for like for like a million quid. And I'm like, well, hold on. I've not made any money. Like Just because it's big, just because it's been in, like watched that many times, it doesn't mean right, exactly. I've got 20 million pounds in my pocket and you've now sent me a bill. It could even happen this way. You could even make a game and then five years down the line, through some weird kink of the internet, through virality of, of a game being picked up by a big streamer, it gets it gets a million installs that you weren't expecting as a developer. You've got no money in the bank because your financial positions change, and suddenly Unity are sending you a bill, which yeah. you would yeah. not you are not anticipating. You basically give the game away for cost by that point because you're like, oh, it's it's a five year old game that we didn't make much money on, and it could bankrupt you.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Like when you look at, I mean, we talked a lot about how some of the pushback has come from some of the um, the biggest sort of independent uh, game developers out there at the moment on social media networks. Uh, but oftentimes that's just because they're loudest voices. But it's, I think it's important to note that when you look at what a lot of them are talking about, yes, they're interested in their own kind of sense of self-preservation and the future of the titles they're working on. But there are a lot of also very big voices online that are saying, like, this is fundamentally like the end of, like, people who are testing the waters of game development using Unity, people who want to create a product that's fun... Mentally free using Unity. There was an interesting um, write-up that you and I were discussing before we went live about what the situation for Vampire Survivors looks like um, in a case like this. Vampire Survivors, a game that was sold for what, like ninety nine p, one pound ninety nine, three pound. I can't even remember. Where all of a sudden, like that becomes an overnight success. And when you factor in, I think they did the mass and refactor in Steam's cut, and now the additional Unity cut, the Vampire Survivors developers are making, whatever it was, 46, 47 cents on the dollar. And all of a sudden, you're being punished for being a breakout success in a way that you didn't think you would be or know you would be. You're also being, in a weird way, punished for the revenue model that probably allowed you to be a revenue so be a breakout success to begin with. So the, I have no doubt that Unity can, be, can, be, can continue to rework this and add in ifs, buts, and ands, and various clauses that essentially make it make sense um, until they get to the point where like the flames have been fanned enough that they can continue operating more or less the same way Um, but it just strikes me as a really really stupid idea from like we're just looking at the core of what the discussion is around here it strikes me as a really stupid idea
0: yeah, I, I, I can, I can kind, I can see maybe where their thinking was directed, and they, but you know, it's the kind of thing that you throw an idea out in a meeting, and then it gets rejected because it doesn't work on so many fundamental levels. It seems yeah. like that
1: idea just managed to get out of the meeting room. Like, yeah, uh, and everyone else in the meeting room would go, eh, do you know what? Like, I can get see where you're coming from, but uh, did you think about this, or do you think about that? And then eventually, enough people would raise their voices where that meet, as you said, that idea doesn't leave the meeting room. And this time it did. Um, to immediate, yeah. like PlayStation, uh, you know, monthly
0: games for free. Gone. Because why like, why would you want so why would you for free exact want your game installed when that's just gonna cost you money? Let's say like you said to me the other day, you were like, Oh, you I think was it MLB, the uh like the game or something was on game part was on a Playstation's monthly games and you I was gonna skate over it and you're like, Jonesy, you have to add that, like it's free, come on.
1: Oh yeah, add it to your library uh, yeah, add it to like, your library. But- it's very easy to underestimate, but trust me. Like when you find the numbers behind these things, and yes, they are compensated. In, but when it comes to the the storefronts, they make the deals with. But when you when you're part of a humble bundle, or when you're when you're a free game of PlayStation Plus, or you're a free game of the Epic Game Store, your game is downloaded millions of times. Um, and again, there, there's no doubt in my mind that Unity, assuming they don't completely reverse this measure. Unity will try and find ways to circumvent that issue, or there'll, there'll be caps and there will be clauses and there'll be all kinds of things, um, thresholds and so on and so forth. Or, or they'll just make straight-up exceptions, like, hey, if you're not making any revenue on that game, we're not then none of this applies to you. But until those things are all in place, and until, ironically, we end up in a landscape that looks remarkably similar to what it did before, and most of the developers' um, issues with these measures have been appeased, then it's going to continue to look like a really ill conceived and poorly thought out measure to uh, generate generate revenue for a for a like for a company that already say sound like it sounded like it had a pretty sound plan for revenue generation. I don't know what the numbers were like behind the scenes at Unity, but again, like every you're doing what every other game engine provider does.
0: Maybe a company is about to lose some of its board for, who were guilty for. Uh, for um... Some Maybe. sort of shenanigans when it comes to um, enrich- I mean, enriching themselves or, pr- or protecting themselves from a stock market drop, but well, that remains to be seen.
1: A lot of pe- people online are taking great pleasure in pointing out that John Riccitiello is notable in games industry terms, other than his um, his attachment now to to Unity, for being a former CEO of Electronic Arts um, and uh, undertaking some particularly interesting and not particularly popular decisions during his tenure at a company that during that time was regularly voted as one of the worst companies in America.
0: Uh, if I can put my tinfoil hat on for uh, five seconds, I would say yeah. I wonder if a little part of it is um, that they thought by doing it for installs, they would compel and basically force companies to take piracy more seriously. Because if your game gets installed of uh, that's been pirated, then... You're going to have to, um, you're going to get charged for it. So they thought if we do this, companies will have to do more to stop piracy. So they can't just be like, well, we made our money and we don't really care if the game's pirated,
1: installed, but, whatever. I, I guess so. But still, even when you want companies to take more, like take piracy more seriously, if you're in a revenue situation like Unity's is with regards to how you generate revenue based on your relationships with these games, all roads still lead back to. I want the game developer who's using Unity to make as much money as possible, and I don't know. I'd imagine there are easier boxes to tick before you had tackle um, that little old thing called piracy. Which
0: uh, I, don't it, it would... you,
1: I don't know how close your ear to the ground is, Josie, but it turns out still a thing. Yeah, no, it
0: was it was a yeah a tiny fraction of, of uh, tin hattedness. haterness. Yeah. I was uh,
1: it ter- trying to. Turns out, turns out the drummer from Metallica didn't get rid of piracy.
0: <laughs> still going pretty darn strong. Um, well, yeah, unfortunately for Unity, uh, people don't feel very unified, although well, we, no, they, they do. They do feel unified, actually, over their terrible decision. Um, some people that didn't make a terrible decision are uh, our Patreons, <laughs> Jamie, our Patreons, uh, who went over to patreon.com forward slash supershow and signed up um, to support our show. They keep the lights on. They keep us coming back uh, week after week to give you video game news. Um, there are some names on screen right now, and I would also like to give a shout-out uh, to them as well, to some of them as well. I would like to give a shout-out to Aaron Cameron, Athletic Gravy, Brimstone, Colquet, Ice Knock, Rock Salt, Jesper Camdo Nielsen, Leo Merger, Mindful Pig, Mr. Anthropic, Pastors Guild, and the Big Dogs, are members of the board who are not guilty of any shenanigans. I'm talking Brett Z, aka Shellshock, Geometric Potter, Hacksawberg-Reed, Manuel Guerrero, and Peaswad. Thank you guys, thank you so much for supporting us, um, for keeping us coming back and being able to cover interesting and crazy stories like Unity completely set in their own house on fire.
1: And I will say that if you read about any of those last five names dumping their shares in the Super Show in the coming months, then nothing, nothing shady is going on, everything's fine, and we're not about to completely turn this podcast upside down with an unexpected and earth-shaking policy change.
0: I would I would sell out so fast. <laughs> like immediately. What if, so, if someone came do you know if if someone slid into our DMs and was like, "Hey guys, I want you to be the mouthpiece for uh, my company and say how amazing we are even though we're rubbish." And like f- 300 grand. Okay, 250,000 250, if they like super Show gets 250,000. You can do it. You can run it as your job. Just make content. super show
1: and and when you say mouthpiece for a bad like what what kind of bad company are we talking about here uh let's say like a morally bad or like they make a bad product or
0: like let's say they're a company that make trash games who say they're good let's say it's one of those companies where they uh they make the little adverts for the games where they say you know the game that you don't think it, it looks like it does in the advert well this game is actually really good um, and it's not. It's, it doesn't like it doesn't the advert, and it's still really bad. And you download it, and you're like, they call me again. Uh, I would do one a piece of content for that company every week, where I'm like, oh, I have so
1: much fun playing. I don't even know any of the names of those games. Pull the pin, gold lava splash. No, the the new one that I just get all the time is that like the the one where you're scrolling a character across a, across a horizontal plane and they're constantly firing and there are these barrels coming towards us and if they destroy the barrels they get like an extra gunman or a weapon up and they always get it so it's so close it's 16 left and they have to dart at the last second and the big guy comes on and crushes them oh, um, and then you scroll well. down and, and then you get the community note saying this game looks nothing like this and you're like that, X, I love X. that. I love the community notes
0: that X have got on those games. When it says, don't, this, these games don't look anything like that. I, I genuinely really like that. I'm glad for those uh, things exist.
1: Accurate community notes are one of the better things that have happened to that platform in the past year or so, whatever the time frame is. Totally. I,
0: I keep seeing um, where it, there'll be a video and it'll be some person saying, oh, I can't believe this is happening in Picker City. And then the community <laughs> like will be like, I can't believe this is happening in London uh today london is falling apart and then the community will be like this was manchester three and a half years ago
1: (laughs) and you're just like (laughs) yeah
0: great Uh, no i love that yeah i'm all about the community
1: no it's 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 it's, it's the way it should be um
0: no it feels good Uh, um i think we need a community note jamie yeah for starfield because that's the only game i'm going to mention in our little catch-up and i know you are as well
1: what would your community note for starfield say
0: my community note for Star—I don't even know why I feel the need to say it because because it's it's like an eighty-eight. It's it's widely been uh, you know really good things. It's every time I go on X, I see people slagging off Starfield, and the community note should say Starfield's a really good game.
1: You're just—you've probably got a PlayStation for you, like for you, page. That's what's going on. Like you've just got all the Sony fanboys in your for you page.
0: I, know the the problem is now? I keep get I get the opposite. I don't know if I've if I've d- gone too far the other way because I keep seeing people slagging off Spider Man Two.
1: Um, oh right, weird.
0: But obviously not even out until next month, and they're just like sharing bits from uh, Spider Man Two trailers, going, "Oh, wait until the the PlayStation fanboys try and tell you da 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 da." da. Or look how rubber can they can oh, Sony release a game so without QuickTime events? Or and like, guys, just. Starfield's really, really good. Do you know what else is going to be really good? Spider-Man Two.
1: Yeah, but Jonesy, did you know that the the fast travel isn't even that fast? If you actually time it from when you have to start holding X until when you actually get control back on Spider-Man, It's actually the exact same loading times as Forza Horizon. So, so, so much for the super powerful PlayStation SSD. So much for the power of the PlayStation. I mean, we we'll we have Ratchet and Clank went to PC, didn't, didn't even need an SSD anymore. You could could run an an SD card. So Mark line lying. To, yeah. I, yeah, I saw literally one of those the other day about how quick, or not
0: quick, the load times were. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. It's, it's, let, let's all enjoy games and have fun. It's all good. It's all good. It's all like game. <laughs> yeah. Um, go on then, Starfield, you have been playing on your new setup.
1: Yes, sir. Have um, found it. So, yeah, I, 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 my thoughts are consistent with what they were la- well, last week. It's interesting. They're a little bit more developed. But at the same time, I still feel like I'm two to three weeks kind of behind the curb on Starfield. <laughs> so I don't really want to bore anyone with these kind of takes that might have been considered hot, like the day the review embargo dropped on Twitter, but are not remotely hot now that everyone has had it and has been on Game Passes itself for like a, a, little, a little while now. Uh, but I, I'm continuing to enjoy it. Um, and unsurprisingly, and this is something that I think many people predicted even beforehand, it, like I'm fine, I'm falling into the old routines for me feel very reminiscent of the routines i've fallen into in previous um uh, bethesda open world rpgs so i'm you know getting attracted to or engaged by particular quest lines or particular factions or whatever the case may be and kind of mainlining a lot of that stuff uh, which is leading to a lot of really long sessions one thing i will say about starfield and i guess this has to be a positive is that it can be a really hard game to stop playing once you've started yeah because there's a lot going on like even this weird system that I don't know if I love it or I hate it, but you can get like sort of threads. You can get like little hints at what's going on in a, a city or whatever wherever you might be um, just by walking around and listening to small talk. Um, and your character will overhear a rumor or a conversation and it will get marked in your activities log. And you can go and follow it up and it might turn into a little side quest or it might turn into something even bigger. You never know. That's the great thing about it or at least it was the great thing about it until I realised that every time I went to this particular city, the city was neon because I was doing a questline that was was broadly taking place there every time I fast travelled to neon and ran the same route, I heard the same woman's voice, five journeys in a row telling me a different thing and you can tell it's happening because the audio, the volume of this one person's voice is raised and you hear it even though you're running away from them and so it's just like, did you hear about what Mr. Jones did at the, it's like my I, I've got too many quests stop <laughs> stop listening stop talk. everyone stop talking I'll stop listening we'll just deal with what we've got um there are be, so uh, many of those yeah like absolutely but that be, seems like there's a lot of content in this game and I'm not even put it this way there's a lot of content in this game I'm playing a lot and I still don't really understand like if you if you told me you put a gun to my head and said hey you know the pistol you like change the muzzle I don't I don't know if I could. Like Fallout Four, I know exactly how to do. Like Starfield, I'm like, uh, ah, I um, okay, um, and so like, that I I've looked at post building, I've looked at ship building, I've looked at research and 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 weapon and and ship and 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 soup customization and so, on, and I'm just like, you know what? I'm just gonna run around and shoot people.
0: Yes, I can, I'm with you completely. Like it's so. Uh... It, it reminds me a little bit of when um, some of the criticisms around Cyberpunk, um, and I can never remember her name, but the uh, the bang on journo that everyone ripped to pieces before the game came out, and then it turned out she was absolutely correct. Um, and yeah. her, one of her criticisms of Cyberpunk was, this entire system doesn't need to be in the game because I didn't use it. And I think that was like crafting. Um, mm. When it comes to, so I've walked past so many industrial workbenches, um, like weapons workbenches, suit workbenches, and with a lot of these things, unless you drop perks, perk points into specific areas, you're not going to be able to touch those. And just as a, as an example, I am level 29, I think. Um, okay. I am one mission away from finishing the main quest line. I've done a couple of missions. I've done the first mission of UC Vanguard. I've done the first mission of the Freestyle Collective. I have not upgraded one weapon <laughs> like, in the game. Um, I've not upgraded one suit, one helmet. Uh, Anything like that, I've, I'm just from what I find
1: in the world is completely good enough for whatever I need to do. You're you're perpetually over encumbered with gear anyway. So much, especially especially in the first ten to fifteen hours, where you've been brainwashed by other games to think that words like rare or colours of gear that aren't what you're used to. Must have items, yes, and so you wander around with these suits and these, you know, these helmets in your inventory all this time because well, this one's worth 8,000 credits and it's it's rare and it's got two icons. I don't know what those icons mean, but it you try and sell that like, 300 credits again. We not only that, but also you're like, well, if I'm going to carry this around, I might try and figure out what it's good. And you go, actually, this is a horrible, horrible spacesuit that is worse than my current one in every single way. The reason it's rare is because I could take 15% less damage from bugs. Yes. Like, I could have sold this 15 hours ago. I'm
0: not going to wear this. And then you keep you carry it with you, even though it weighs 10 kilos, and it's like you're so close to your over-encumbered line, and then you get to, to sell it, and then it's, yes, yeah, not 8,000 credits they give you. They offer you 300, and you're like, sorry, uh, did I capitalism wrong? I think this said that it was worth 8,000 credits.
1: Um, yeah. I I'm, yeah, you, I'm completely. You got, you, got to, you got to become a UC citizen first, Jonesy. Then you get the good deals.
0: Yes, exactly. Or oh, you need to you need to fully unlock the perk tree around like bargaining in order oh, to get. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, but I... which when I'm too busy using perks in other places because I was like, oh, this is a this is a Bethesda game where I need to spend a perk just to have the like the fundamentals of stealth work. I don't even have like yeah. the, the classic Bethesda um sort of visibility meter if I don't um put at least one point in this so that was weird um and then i think one thing that made me laugh and i because i was
0: i put a a point into thrusters to ship thrusters um so i could have more control i had no idea how i used thrusters so it was like i don't know what i've done i don't know if this is anything and about five hours later i accidentally pressed the space bar while i was in my ship and my and a little thing came on went thrusters and i was like oh i've used thrusters for the first time um so, that, But I, in my mind, I like the idea that there's a world out there, there's an alternate dimension where this is a real place. And when you spend a perk point on thrusters, you suddenly notice a little joystick sitting next to you. You're like, I've never pushed that before. I mean, and then you do it. The number like, of
1: Ooh. buttons and things going on in that cockpit, that's actually not unrealistic. Maybe. It's, all, it's also less embarrassing than the mistake I made when I was on the big star map and I was trying to do a big grav jump to this planet that seemed to be within the reach of my ship. But I was just not jumping. Like the process was was not starting. And when I tried to do other stuff, it was like, no, like, like, and it took me about 10 minutes to realize that, like, just when I distribute my power, my grav jump thing was everything. Didn't have any. Yeah. And I was like, I I just sat here for 10 minutes, like floating around in space, which is also a great opportunity to realize that absolutely nothing happens in space. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, there's also the thing uh, of like when you need to, you need to jump somewhere, and you're like, uh, you sh- and it's like, oh, but you haven't got enough fuel, so you just jump to a planet half the distance, and then you can make the jump. and it
1: kind of Yeah, yeah, a bit of that absolutely happened to me. And then you visited there, and so then you can go back there. And then, and then you get into this weird stuff where you're like, oh, you need to go to this thing, and you're like, I don't know what that thing is. So you hover over it on the objective, uh, on the you know the quest log or whatever, and you hit the show me on the map button. And it can't show you on the map. You every time you hit "Show me on the map," you just see the full solar system. So you're like, "What is this thing?" And you're like, "Well, it turns out it's that space station that you can't see." And then you're like, "Well, but I can see an icon there, but like, show me the space station." But no, you can't zoom in on space stations. You can only zoom in on planets. So you just have to click on this. You have to figure out which space station it is and click on it. And then even when you're on a space station, this happened to me once. On Earth, this happens to all of them. You like, you open up the map and like, you're like, "Show me on the map." And you just see a rock, like you just see a, like an empty rock or moon, because that's what the space station is technically in orbit around. Yeah. But it's also not. a. Meanwhile, you're trying to figure out what, where... like, what does three dots on a planet mean? And what does, what does that, what does it mean? There's a ship there. I'm a ship. There are ships everywhere. What do you mean? There's <laughs> a ship there. I, like, what... yeah, I, do you know what? Anyway, most Starfield. of that,
0: someone has nearly finished the game. Uh, nearly finished the main quest anyway. Uh, I gave up on trying to understand
1: any of that stuff and i have just been playing anyway, and it's been fine. I, I do kind of admire the balls it has to just be like, yeah, there's a lot going on this game. Like, just if you want to learn it, learn it. You might get something out of it. If you don't want to learn it, just play the fucking game. And a I'll mistake.
0: I, I, right? Yeah. A mistake I used to make with games like this was to, to to assume that they were perfect, like they were perfectly made and everything had intent. And it was only when I got older, like I became an adult, that I was like, oh. Some of their stuff is just doesn't quite make sense, or they haven't quite got it right, and it's a little bit off. And you just have to kind of go with it, and you have to just sort of chalk it up to experience. I I I think the the core game for me here is really good. I I love some of the storylines. You've got like political storylines. You've got like there's weird genetic storylines. You've got like alien isolation kind of storylines. there, it it doesn't hit everything every time, like by any, by any means. There's some like emotive emotive storylines where it sort of tries to tug at the heartstrings a little bit. Um, I just did like a very cool. Uh, um, I don't it's, no. I know this isn't a spoiler. I just did a cool like um maybe it would be. a... am not going to say it. I just did a really cool storyline that I was not expecting. Um, with some yeah very sort of bizarre effects happening, and it, and it wasn't what I was expecting. It was yeah it just took me by surprise. It's, it's very cool. It's very fun. It is also frustrating um, for anyone who hasn't played it. Yeah. There are some things you would... L- it would be great if they expanded. Like, I'll tell you, so one thing, one a side story I will mention, and I actually went on to Reddit to be like, did I do this wrong? Because um, it was one of those where you feel like, I should have done this better. And I reloaded. I'd, I'd saved before I went on went this uh, particular little side quest thing. Um, and I started it all again, because I was like, maybe I could have done it better. And it, it's almost... It reminds me of The Collector from... Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy okay, yeah. um, where this you go to this one ship and this guy's got all this really cool stuff um, and you're trying to get hold of one specific thing. You're like, oh, I want this one thing. Um, and you manage to get through the whole thing. You sweet talk the guy and he's a bit. he takes you to his special vault that he never lets anyone see in and he lets you have a look. And the way the level is designed would lead you to believe that there's like multiple ways to maybe get in and steal this item that you need to get. Um, maybe you can like sweet talk your way in by, you know, and get hold of it. Maybe you can break in and get hold of it. But from anything I could kind of tell from what other people have said on Reddit, it's, there's nothing you can do. Like, it always ends up in a firefight um, at the end of the day. You have to grab the thing and then all hell breaks loose and you have to fight everyone. Which I was quite surprised at and it's a shame because I can imagine it being quite a cool little side quest. um, uh, Like a place you could get a lot of side quests from. Like this this guy's a collector. It could have easily been like Bring me anything weird and old that you find, or send you on little missions to kind of do stuff, uh, or maybe even being a character that DLC kind of came from. Um, it would have been nice, but yeah, apparently no. Appa- apparently, it was one of those where it's like, no, no, fight time.
1: I yeah, I guess not every quest can you know unravel into this big multi you know quest like chain, right? And I feel like there are still like when you, especially when you focus on some sort of certain factions there are a good number of pretty hefty quest lines that definitely um and i can tell you i I know i've already put a lot of time into a quest line that i don't think you've started yet they do feel like they have kind of like split them all up and they're like this is going to focus more on that this is going to focus more on that like this this is going to have you undercover and play You after having to be coy and use your social skills this is going to have you killing people and stopping crime this is going to have you doing like corporate espionage shit um like, there, there's, it covers a lot of interesting ground, and that's the most fun I'm having, is just pursuing those quest lines. And I, I will say on a slight tangent that um, pursuing those quest lines, like, very adamantly, for want of a better way of putting it, does unmake some of the the elements of... And I know we discussed them last week, and I don't want to read too much ground, but some of the elements around uh, fast travel and um, and the way the game kind of, like, you know, takes you across... Like, it... it it just seems unusual, I guess, because, in, in put it this way, in the early game, there, it feels like there's an effort was made to make sure that some of the areas and locations that you would travel to for the main quest line up with areas that would make sense to be at for you know starting certain other quest lines, and there's this kind of thing where like, yep. oh, put it this way, very early on you're going to go to a place called Cydonia, which is going to be very convenient because this leads there, and that leads there, and that leads there, and, and Lots of things can all happen around these hubs, so you feel like you've got a nice kind of, like, diversity in what you're doing without actually having to travel too much. Things get a little bit weird when you're just like, no, I'm just going to do this one quest line, and all of a sudden it's like you're going to fly to one planet, land there, have one conversation, and that conversation, and then that conversation will end after ten seconds, and you get a little thing in your t- top corner saying, like, fly to Neptune. And you're like, <laughs> "You're kind, you're kind of treating, like, fly to Neptune like you're telling me to, like, Go to the shops down the road like like yeah. i i know this isn't a game that puts a huge emphasis on kind of like the the feat of space exploration but it's even more so when it's like wow you literally want me traveling from solar system to solar system for like for conversations um yes which is and that happens more when you like really hone in on specific quest lines rather than just kind of like um indulging in what certain cities or locales have to offer while you're there if you take your time a little bit, stretch your legs, like go into every bar and chat to NPCs and get distracted, it's not going to happen. But when you're when you hard focus shit, it gets a little bit odd. And then the fast traveling kind of like again, I don't want to, I don't want to. Ho- it's weird because it needs to be there. The game would be like tangibly worse if uh you had to like do everything in full. You had to see every sequence in full. You had to go walk back to your ship. You had to get into your you had to board your ship, you had to walk to a cockpit, you had to take off. Like the game, like it w- would be worse off if that were the case. But it does still uh, people talked about this before, it does still mean that they're kind of like the scale sometimes of the universe is completely lost on you when you're you you get a quest. You literally you have one conversation, someone says, Do you know what? You should go to Unity. And then you're like, oh, okay. You hit the, the the you know the menu button, you go to a quest log. You hover over the thing that says "Go to Unity." You hit uh, chart your know, chart course, wherever the the button is, and then you hold the land button. And you're like, you're sort of like, I guess I'm I guess I'm there. <laughs> I guess I just jumped sixteen light years to a different system. I didn't really pay attention to any other planets in the system, what they are or like what their relevance might be. I just kind of landed where I where that person told me to fifteen seconds ago, um, and now I'm here.
0: It, the fast travel is weird because it, i i was very critical of it when i first saw it like to, i thought oh this is going to ruin the experience to some degree i'm so grateful for it in so many situations when i'm at the bottom of a moon base and i'm like i've found something in the very bottom cave and i'm like i do not want to walk all the way back up and they do do the thing That's sometimes of mind. here's a truck here's a handy lift which just so happens to take you right back okay. to your ship uh, yep. or at least to the surface and you've just got the key for, uh in that room that he's walked through like that's that's handy um but sometimes it is like oh thank goodness i can fast travel back to my ship and
1: uh, yeah but it's I'm, totally necessary it's totally it's, necessary like when well, well, with absolutely. you in there it does make it feel smaller and like you don't have to yeah. explore anything exactly. it's, it's it's an impossible problem to solve like they they needed to go in one of two directions and they went in the right direction which is why it's such a weird thing to be critical of it just has an interesting impact on the way the game sometimes feels and you know, like the whether or not the true scope like when you when you when you open up the, the 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 menu in no man's sky where every single system is a small dot and you're like flying through them and you're like, Oh my god, it feels intimidating. Starfield's version of that never feels intimidating because you know you're gonna get there. You know it's not gonna cost you like you know eventually your ship will have be able to like jump far enough or you can hop between systems you know you don't have to worry about fuel you know that you never have to actually like you know jump like you'll just you'll be there when the time's right you'll be there and you don't really need to remember where things are because everything's you know pretty well detailed in the quest log and you could just press x or y on a controller on on the right you know objective marker and it will show you exactly the planet you need to go to and like yeah so don't sweat it which i guess is Maybe gives room for the quest lines to be what they are. So I'm not complaining. It's just interesting. Um, no, interesting. I, I think yeah. No, no, I'm with you. I, I completely agree. But like, yeah, when when
0: I have the same thing as you the other day, I I I was like, okay, I'm only going to play for a bit. I think I played for like eight hours. No, oh, stop! Bro. And yeah. it was no. it hor- horrendous. I, I ended up I I was I had to go up really early. I had to go up at like seven. I didn't go to sleep until th- I didn't go to bed until three. <laughs> ended up then couldn't sleep until like half three. And then woke up, yes, yeah, three and a half hours later. Like by the end of the day, I just, I felt. I think I did the same thing the day before, and I felt like sick. And I was like, I've I started to feel shaky. And I was like, I have to go to bed. I feel quite, I always feel ill. You know, like um, yeah. my wife said to me, "That's because you stayed up till three in the morning playing bloody Starfield." I was like, "Yeah, but I just had to finish that quest. Like I just had to finish that mission. I, I needed to find out what was happening and, and get to the end of that thread." Um, and it is, it is very good at doing that. It's very good at getting. his hooks into you and making you say. Um, I, I just want to know this, and and weirdly, yeah. the pacing works very well for me. Like the the ebbs and flows work really well. You might get on an eight hour stint, but then you might go on like a, a two hour stint where you almost have you have like a a finish and a little thread of a story that you're following, and it's satisfying. They wrap up nicely. It totally makes sense. You've brought people to justice. Like I, I quite like that the freestyle collective thing about like I'm bringing people to justice. I like that. Like I'm bringing you to justice. Um, I did that to someone the other day he, this guy tried to say to me are you really going to take me in or something like that and I was like you are coming in the, pe- that's what the people deserve justice and he was like you're going to have to kill me which was um, yeah, rough
1: They'll have to tell me twice Yeah, I'm, I've been a big fan of the Ryujin Industries uh, questline which again I recommend I think people that's one that people can go and do fairly early on if they haven't already that delves into some interesting kind of like Corporate SB it, it feels like um, it's without saying too much, it feels like uh, Starfield's uh, version of the Thieves Guild, uh, right? But with this kind of like weird, um, what would you know? The um, the Japanese is it Arasaka that were the Japanese company of in Cyberpunk
0: 2077? Oh, uh, oh, what? Yeah, I can't remember what. I, it, yeah, it,
1: yeah, it, yeah, it sounds like feel, right. it, it feels like uh, Starfield's got their own version of that kind of company and you're working for them as an operative uh, that kind of maybe does some shady things.
0: Right. Um, I've just looked at the time. We're going to have to crack on because we are on a, a short uh, amount of time today. So I'm going to quickly run through um, the Nintendo Direct and the PlayStation State of Play. Um, to be fair, there wasn't that much uh, sort of surprising that was there. We talked about Nintendo Direct um, last week. We had some sort of rumours, confirmed, r- confirmed rumours, which we now know the answer to. Of course, because the direct actually happened. I think there was the 14th. So whoever leaked
1: the dates and 13, 14th, they were correct. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, a couple of. And and, and the heavy. Sorry to interrupt. I was like, most of the. the, the, That one leaker was pretty much spot on, right?
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Almost bang on. And I think they were for everything because they said about another code. They said about um, F Zero was going to be there
1: and they were right. And they had the date right. And a couple of little bits, I think. Mario versus Donkey Kong.
0: Yes, yeah, so yeah, okay. Let's yeah, let's get into some of these. So, Paper Mario um, is getting a remaster. Um, the Paper Mario: The Thousand Year Door um, HD has been announced. Um, so we will be getting that. Uh, Mario versus Donkey Kong is getting a remake and is coming in February. Um, that's February sixteenth. Um, thoughts on like the fact that did, did you think though the Donkey Kong one, like for example, was going to be a remake, or were you thinking new game, or you had no idea? Um, You're like, it's Nintendo. Taken
1: a remake, I had no idea. I mean, I, I honestly I had no idea. It's Like as we discussed at length last week, you never be too surprised. I think it's also but the, the fact that I have no real like personal familiarity with the Mario versus Donkey Kong series. I had never played any of those titles before. I'm only very vaguely aware of them. Um, and I will say, having watched that direct, you know, for as much as that game clearly has been remade for modern consoles and to modern to it to some modern standards it doesn't look like my kind of cup of tea me uh, either yeah like i i i get it like trying to use those characters and that ip with like more of a puzzle twist while keeping some of like the maybe the feel and the charm but um it just doesn't it doesn't it doesn't video very well it doesn't promo very
0: well you know um it looks quite dated it looks it looks a bit dated on the gameplay side um maybe not on the visuals and then yeah you wonder I always wonder with nintendo like how much are they going to try and sell this stuff for like are they going to try and hit you up full price are they going to go less like yeah it's 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 a tricky one because it it does feel a little bit cheeky when it's when it's a remaster it feels a bit cheeky
1: well but then it's a this is a remake right and the remake of a game boy advance game i think so like it it that there's no doubt in my mind that nintendo see this as like a a Product that they can probably get away with charging close to, if not full price for. Um, I think most people broadly agree, it, it, yeah. I don't know. Uh, we had a leak last week, we
0: um, F099. Uh, we knew an F0 game was coming. Uh, F099 is out already, um, but for Switch Online subscription users only. Um, that is the Battle Royale uh, F0 game that we was alluded to that we had the rumor for. Um, that does look fun, it does, you know, it's been. Brought yeah. up to date, it looks like it's it's been well, it's almost been brought up to date. It still looks like a dated concept, with dated I mean, it's
1: game. Just zero, it just it's the base game, right?
0: It, yeah, yeah, but it's just now got loads more people involved.
1: Yeah, and the carnage of seeing ninety nine races on track simultaneously does look appropriately ridiculous in a way <laughs> that's actually kind of fun. Um, and I, I, you know, I think that uh, battle royale races and battle royale kart races kind of like still an untapped market that i know that there are a few people that are pushing to get into at the moment i think there are some games in early access or that have been announced here or there that are going to try and you know go in like a oh you know full-blooded attempt to kind of uh fill that void but um as one of nintendo's weird experiments following like tetris 99 and mario 35 or whatever it was called like this is a cool one of those and it's nice to see the f-zero name around again
0: yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Princess Peach, we knew she was getting her own game. Uh, we now have a name for it. It's called Princess Peach Showtime, and it's coming in March of next year. Um, I wasn't quite sure. So, it's good to see like a new, uh, a new Mario like game type coming out. You know, like Mario, Luigi's Mansion, etc. All the other games they make. This, I don't know. This seemed a little low rent to me for like a new Nintendo. Game. I wasn't that blown away by. It.
1: Um, it didn't look super engaging to me on a gameplay front, Um, you know. But I have a certain amount of faith in Nintendo. I think to pull that stuff. I think that the variety could be a nice USP for this game. I,
0: I, yeah. Did you? I, I thought there's a bit when I was watching it. I couldn't help think that they've made like Princess Peach the Barbie game, where she's like, you know, Barbie has like a tra- I safari bar. No, not the movie, but you know how Barbie, the company, oh. they make like they'll have like Safari Barbie, Air Hostess Barbie, like they would her do all different jobs. In the trailer, where they're like she, she, the way she has a new set of skills is she changes clothes. I was, I was like, is this like Barbie, the Peach, the Barbie game? We should it. Maybe if it if the shoe fits. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, fair enough. But hey, yeah, it remains to be seen for that. It could be really good. It could be fantastic. It's like a Peach puzzly game. So there we go. Uh, Tomb Raider um, 1, 2 and 3 remasters are going to be coming Feb 14th. Um, nice little addition to the uh, Switch catalogue. Uh, Luigi's Mansion 2 HD is coming in summer of 2024, that uh, remaster which should, yeah, be uh, be nice. Splatoon 3's DLC, Side Order, um, is coming spring of 24 and then the other rumour... Wait,
1: wait, sorry, say the name of that, game again, please. Splatoon. Splatoon 3. What? nothing it okay. was <laughs> no it's because i i would say it more like splatoon splatoon like platoon but you, like but platoon. you said the, the emphasis on the flat like splatoon splatoon,
0: splatoon. splatoon. Oh, yeah fair enough uh, <laughs> got me, got me off guard, sorry <laughs> um i think the the yeah we had a leak about another code uh the duology um is getting a uh an enhanced version which is dropping on the switch uh, and then Detective Pikachu has had a new trailer um, ahead of its October the sixth release date, um, which again is a remaster. I think. I think that's a sequel. I thought. Or is that a whole? Is that a complete sequel? I, I'll you want know, to double check that, but I, I think it's a sequel. Uh, the one thing I came away from this direct thinking was like, are they going to make a new game?
1: What do you mean? So that so obviously they've got they've got P- uh, Princess Peach Showtime. Um, Detective Pikachu returns. It's a sequel.
0: But if I just look through everything they've got there, right? Paper Mario Remaster, Mario and Donkey Kong Remake, F Zero is obviously F Zero that's been ninety nine. So Princess Peach is new. Tomb Raider One, Two, and Three Remasters, Luigi Mansion Two Remaster, Splatoon Three DLC, another code of both enhanced versions. Detective Pikachu is a sequel. Uh, yeah. So that's a new game, uh, and that's it. So there's one. There's there are two new games in that entire. Uh, direct
1: yeah um i i I get where you're coming from it would like and in that sense it wasn't the strongest direct i also think that you know the the kind of the background to all of this that it's naturally something that our nintendo are going to uh communicate directly no pun intended but the we all know is that you know this is a a console that is in the last full year of its life cycle this is a console that is going like we are between these um, announcements and some of the stuff that we already knew about, like Super Mario Wonder and um, yeah, a lot of the stuff and Super Mario RPG and a lot of the stuff that was announced in June. Um, we are looking at the you know the final major uh, first party releases for the Nintendo Switch before a new console comes along and shakes things up a little bit. So in that sense, I'm not surprised that they're going to the well um, on sort of more surefire hits, which I think is what a lot of these things are. Um, But then some of them are also risks. Like, I don't know, I think remastering, for example, Paper Mario the Thousand Year Door, and it does look like they've done a bit of work, but it's not a remake. Um, That's just kind of one of those things that's a no-brainer because the Paper Mario name still holds a lot of uh, weight, a lot of paper weight. (laughs) Uh, uh, um, uh, And it's a series that people have wanted to go back to. It's seen back at its strongest for a little while now. It hasn't been there. The easiest way to do that is just to bring back the one that everyone liked from the GameCube um or the sequel that everyone liked. Um but I I also just I I think it's important that we don't let the word remake, for example, become a dirty word. Like again, like the Mario vs. Donkey Kong isn't something that appeals to me based on what I saw in the direct. And I hadn't played the original, so I've gotten a nostalgia for it. But you know, that's a Switch game born from a Game Boy Advance game. And you could do, when you look at the two side by side, you were like, oh, they've built a new video game here. Like a lot of work still goes into that process. And I'm not trying to suggest that you're downplaying that work uh, by asking them to make more original games. I'd love Nintendo to be more original, but like make more original IPs because it's something they do incredibly well. And oh, And I think the other thing that I would say also to back up your point is that when they do it, is usually really quite startling. Like seeing Splatoon three DLC on here is a reminder that when Nintendo do something completely new and completely wacky, it's usually pretty out there. And Splatoon was one of those things. Yeah, you know, very true. Yeah, I'd like I'd like to see more of that, obviously, on, on any future consoles. Um, but also, when you've got the most recognizable and sellable and uh, com- you know, commercial roster of characters and IPs in video game history. Probably very easy to just leverage them over and over again in one way or another. Um, I should say I did leave out a couple of the
0: uh, more generic announcements, or, or not announcements, but um, you know discussions about games that were already coming out. So there were there was some other stuff as well because so we said about like Super Mario RPG remake um, is also going to co- is also coming out. And you're you are absolutely right. Remakes are new games. They are not remasters. They're something different. And I think sort of recapturing something that was on a different system, remaking it for a current one. I'm completely on board with that. Remakes have been, have been fantastic over the last few years for like lots of different systems. I suppose it's more the remasters or like enhanced versions. It's sometimes it just feels a little bit... Um, it, 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 I suppose it cools my appreciation for a Direct when
1: it's a lot of talk about remasters. But I would rather, when you're talking about like things that uh, pour cold water on Nintendo Directs, um, I would more, uh, rather get remasters and remakes of games from different consoles than farming simulators.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's very fair. Then a first part, like a big first party title, which you're like, oh no, <laughs> that just looks like that's just another farming simulator. Okay.
1: Oh, yeah. Or every time, like, the big thing at a Nintendo Direct is another Fire Emblem game and the rest of the right. internet implodes, and I have to sit there and go, <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: fine. Fire um, Emblem. Yeah. Have we, uh, should we quickly go through PlayStation? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's let's rattle through this as well. Uh, So we also got the PlayStation State of Play on the same day. Shock, shock horror, but um, a number of hours later. Um, We got another look at Spider-Man 2 ahead of its release next month um, with a bunch of epic suits that you can get for uh, Spider-Man and Miles. Um, We saw the uh, Resident Evil Separate Ways DLC, um, which is looking pretty tasty. Also a look at Resident Evil 4 Remake for VR 2, which is coming. Um, this winter, some of the VR stuff. To be fair, I, d- I, I kind of slagged off a couple of weeks ago. Um, some of the VR stuff for PlayStation, like VR two, I'm like, okay, I really would like to have a go at that. One of them in particular, Ghostbusters: Rise of the Ghost Lord. I was like, that looks pretty sick. More than Resi four. <laughs> yeah, I don't like scary uh, VR games. I, Ghostbusters is more my level for like horror.
1: Fair enough. When I watched that Ghostbusters trailer, all I thought was. Man, Ghostbusters has good music, and I went and listened to the Ghostbusters theme on Spotify, and that was it. Yeah, yeah fair. Uh,
0: okay, this was what the one announcement I keep hearing people talk about is probably because the circles I move in, uh, Roblox is coming to PlayStation Four um, on October 10th. Which, see, so you're going to be like, so what? Who cares? Um, pretty massive for a lot of y- children that I know who
1: are psyched. Yes, uh, I'm sure. When you say children that you know, are you referring to your children? Not just them,
0: other other kids as well, okay. like in the okay. in my orbit who are like, Did you hear about Roblox going to PlayStation? They're super psyched. Because they want to play together, like and, and Roblox they're used they're usually playing across iPads, PC right. like laptops, phones. So to be able to play on a PlayStation, they're like they're hyped for so yeah, that right. parents out there, I feel sorry for you because your kids are about to monopolize your Playstations even more. Um Something that I am looking forward to, and I would love to play and every time I see it, I'm like, yeah, this does look really good. Helldivers 2. um, We've got a release date for that now, Feb 8, 2024. um, Which, yeah, the the last um, trailer we saw for that was the first time I'd even heard. like thought about it. I didn't even know there was a sequel as Helldivers coming. Didn't play the first one. And, yeah, I thought it looked pretty solid. Um, If you have a PlayStation 5, September 29th, maybe uh, try your hand at Foam Stars, because there's going to be an open beta. Uh, for three days you're going to get it the um, end of september into october 1st so yeah the playstation's attempt to take a little chunk out of some splatoon splatoon splatoon
1: splatoon Splatoon, Splatoon, foam star man foam stars foam foams no i don't like the name
0: foam stars i really don't like the name i think it's terrible
1: i don't mind it uh I I I don't mind the name so much as a as much as I minded what the gameplay looked like when we saw it at that <laughs> yeah. um basically. But then apparently it, that game was at Summer Game Fest, and I heard some people say it's actually better than it looked. So you know what? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna speak before I've played that open beta. Um,
0: I think it could be one of the ones that you you play and you're like, okay, yeah, this is a solid like a solid offering for a uh, cheeky little um, online fun time. Um, and they and like yeah, they've looked at Splatoon and they're like, yes. We're gonna make that. We're just gonna copy that.
1: Happy days. Yeah, um, Sol- a solid offering for a cheeky little fun time. Alex Jones. Exactly. Uh, and then the biggest thing was
0: uh, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, which releases 29th ninth uh, Feb twenty twenty four. They really led into this. Um, we obviously all know was coming, and yeah, they yeah, they thought that was the biggest thing they had to show off. So there you go.
1: I mean, and, and that, is, that is still a big deal, you know, it is, as for as much as... Years in the way, making. That's the thing. For as for as strange as the rollout of Final Fantasy Seven remakes has been, uh, this is still part of the remake of one of the biggest and most beloved RPGs of all time. A lot of people very much care. A lot of people are very invested. A lot of people are invested, and Square Enix are also doing a lot to try and convince those people that that doesn't matter. Um, there's a lot of chatter already even from the publisher side about how you don't even need to have played Final Fantasy VII Remake to enjoy Rebirth like we're gonna get you all caught up which is someone who experienced that game in real time and then felt betrayed by the ending I'm like okay good good luck with that like good (laughs) luck like getting all that into a five minute long video that people try not to skip at the beginning of Final Fantasy VII Rebirth Um, but at the same time there was a hell of a lot crammed into that trailer that felt like one of those trailers where they were saying, okay, February's actually not that far away. We need to start showing the breadth of um, environments, characters, side activities, you know, cloud on a Segway, you name it, we need to get it in that trailer. Um, and they did. It, w- it was packed. And as someone who doesn't still doesn't know the story of Final Fantasy VII or where it goes, there were plenty of intriguing little tidbits. I'm probably going to have to go back in and try this, even though I... Came away feeling really kind of disgruntled after Final Fantasy 7 Remake. Not because it was a bad game, I just. I had some issues with some story beats.
0: V- Fair enough. I, I'm, and, I'm and still listening like, and pacing. I think I'm still in the first couple of hours of um,
1: Final Fantasy 7, so I've got a long way to go. <laughs> You've just got one old game to complete before you start this other whole game to complete that apparently has over 100 hours of content in it, so no rush.
0: No rush, no rush. So. Uh, and that was the state of play for PlayStation. Um, I'm going to take one minute to talk about something I think was one of the most interesting things of the week. So, yeah. if I can. Um, so, Apple did a thoroughly boring uh, hardware reveal and a bit of software as well, um, talking about the Apple Watch, new iPhone 15. Um, yeah, I,
1: I, you it know, wasn't that exciting, wasn't that interesting as far as um, I'm concerned. It was more of the same. You agreed. Um, I think I'm gonna get one, but I but only because it's my time. Like it's my I'm three I'm three years removed from my last one, so it's this was always gonna be the one I was gonna get, which made yeah. me a little bit disappointed with the you know, the headline features or lack thereof. USB C folks. You, when you boil it down to it, like, I mean the the biggest selling point of the inter, of
0: everything Apple were doing for me this were in the in this little showcase they did was how green they are and that they're carbon neutral. Everything they do now is carbon neutral. They went on about that ad nauseam. Uh, yeah, they had a whole short film about it. That and uh, USB-C were the two things they really wanted to talk about. However, if you were bored enough to just click off at that point because they finished talking about the iPhone 15 and I would not for- I, I'm sorry, I would forgive anybody who decided that they'd seen enough by that point, you know, we'd seen a lot, you might have missed the fact that they then um, got into the Apple iPhone 15 Pro um, and Almost as like, a, I don't know, I've, I found this a little bit weird that they, it seemed to be like a point in the show when people might have checked off. Because if they're like, oh yeah, I'm getting a 15, that's my next phone, doesn't look that amazing, whatever, click off. Something I did want to talk about was the fact that for the first time, natively on the iPhone 15 Pro, they're going to be running some um, like current gen or well, their end of last gen uh, console titles. I'm talking Assassin's Creed Mirage, obviously, which is coming out quite soon. Um, Death Stranding Director's Cut, and Resi 4 Remake, and Resi Village, which are all going to run natively on the 15 Pro. Which, like, given what we were talking about last week, given that we were talking about the Switch 2, um, and how, you know, what are the graphics going to be like, how's that going to be, for them to sort of start talking about the 15 Pro, ray-traced graphics, which they were also talking about and teasing at the time, interestingly after talking about the playstation portal jamie as well they showed off the 15 pro alongside the dual 5 controller and said compatible with the latest controllers we had even discussed the fact that you know we don't use playstation remote enough on our iphones and the fact that it can work with um you know bluetooth controllers this to me was like quite a big deal
1: yeah it, it, it it's it can it can it can be a big deal it could be a big deal um i think it is one of those things where like it it's it's it makes for a nice point in a presentation which is essentially what they like for as much as apple really roll out the red carpet for these products and have these you know big very elaborate demonstrations you know it's all kind of it's all pr speaker it's all marketing speak until we have something in our hands right and i think it's going to be interesting to see what was yes a version of these games will be running natively what do these games look like when they're running natively um how do they perform um how many uh developers out there and publishers are interested in you know doing the work of making sure that, a, that their title is functional on not just like one model of phones but like one mo- like a, one skew within a model um how is it priced um i don't know it's going to be really interesting because i think like the, the weird thing the weird thing is is that it's it was a little bit surprising when they first said it and they first showed it. But then when you think about it, it's like iPhones have been improving rapidly and, and massively year on year on year on year on year in terms of the CPU and GPU uh, power. But we've, in some respects, I don't know, either as consumers or as developers or on both, unless I'm kind of like just you know completely out of the zeitgeist and I'm unaware of it, like we stopped pushing the boundaries in terms of like what these things could actually do. Every year, we're told about the new GPU that's in the new iPhone, and that was 17 times faster than last year's one, right? If you're getting 17 times faster, that's an exaggeration, but you follow my drift, year on year on year on year on year, it stands to reason that eventually you end up with something pretty special. And yet, when you look at the games and applications that are being developed for iOS devices at the moment, even if you subscribe to Apple Arcade, and look at the most popular things on there, they, they, they can be very sharp, and they can be very elaborate, and they can... You know, run very smoothly, but no one's really trying to emulate um, like traditional home console like presentation and home console visuals, for example. And so it d- does feel like this is weird disconnect there, where like yeah, of course iPhones are beginning more powerful, but no one's necessarily been making games that have explicitly tried to take advantage of that power. And maybe now someone is. Maybe they're now like Apple or behind the scenes have created a more. Cohesive ecosystem when it comes to the DNA shared between the iPhone and uh, the Mac, because obviously a a number of games, including I think Resident Evil um, Village and um, next year uh, Death Stranding, have been ported successfully to the Mac, and they've got a lot of their own, you know, bespoke uh, hardware components inside those things. So maybe there's something about the shared DNA there that makes it much easier. But at the same time, I'll go back to what I said at the very very beginning, which I'm going to remain very cautiously optimistic and also much like i have been with lots of other hardware devices um especially portable and handheld ones like the playstation portal last week um i'm going to continue to ask myself whether that's really the way i want to play that game um which is one of the well, which is one of the other big things about all of this stuff which is just because you can does that mean you should um Great Mirage Agreed. runs on a thing that runs on your pocket. Great! Do you know what else it? Also, runs on your 4K TV that you're probably sat in front of right now.
0: Absolutely. I I actually think for me is it's less like Mirage is is and I actually saw some footage from Mirage today and it looked really nice. Um, yeah. The do I want to play that on my phone? Probably not. But I tell you what does strike me as interesting when you talk about handhelds is we just said about the fact that like Switch are bringing um, Tomb Raider one, two, and three remaster to um, they're bringing Nintendo sorry bring them out on the Switch. It gets interesting when someone's sitting there playing like a remastered version of Tomb Raider three, and they say, "Oh, what are you playing?" And you're sat there with your iPhone 15 Pro, and you say, oh, "I'm playing uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider," and then they say, "Oh, can I have a look?" And you say, "Yeah, sure." And they're like, "Oh, that looks really nice." And you say, "Yeah, it does." And they're like, "Oh, what other games have you got?" And you start listing off, you know, games that are uh, like look great, ch- chunky, like good graphics. If that's what we're talking with the 15 Pro, which which I'm, you know, at this point I'm going to assume yeah. we are, I think you start to say, okay, what does a Steam app for the iPhone look like when you effectively t- turn your iPhone into a Steam Deck? Um, and it's but like, I meant, uh, sorry, earlier you
1: finish my my point.
0: Oh no, I was just going to say, like, and and because of course we always end up talking about price point and how much is a Steam Deck, how much is a Switch, and then you sort of say, well, hold on, and we talk a lot with the Switch, that you know, the install base. If you want to talk about install base for games, and you want to talk about like how many people own the Nintendo Switch, how many people own an iPhone? Like, yeah. you start to get to a really interesting point where if they can provide games that look good and run well, and they can convince you to take your PlayStation Five controller
1: out and about with then you, you just you just made the point that I'm kind of sitting here still stewing over, which is that like I just I don't know if these things being capable is enough for that to actually be, the uh, think yeah. sells people on it, and makes people actually take that, make that jump. Like, you and I have known, we worked with a guy who was obsessed with handheld consoles before the handheld <laughs> revolution yep. really even started, and it, he would, like, buy all these weird, uh, there were probably Android-powered devices or God knows what, or, like, there were technically laptops, but they had, like, weird setups, On like, he would talk to us about how he played Bioshock 1 on the tube this morning and how radical that was, <laughs> and everyone's just kind of smiling, not a okay okay mate whatever you say um that like we're entering that phase now where whether it's um the steam deck or whether it's the the success of the switch that comes out next year and and now by those sounds of things soon to be the iphone you can't really be shocked anymore by what you look over your shoulder and see the person sitting next to you on the train playing or doing and i have already a number of times been blown away by the um by the by the steam deck and looked at something in my steam library and like do you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna install Max Payne 3 to see what happens. And I'm like, oh my god, Max Payne 3 works and it's running at 60 frames a second. Do you know how many more times I played Max Payne 3? None. None. Yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you know what I did open up multiple times on my on my Steam Deck? Hades. Like Cult of the Lamb, Dave the Diver. You look on any list of like these are the best games you should get in your Steam Deck right now. They are all like there's a like, it's almost like there should be a genre of like portable games, games yes. that if games that if you forgot your bus stop was coming up right now, you could put your Steam Deck in your pocket for eight hours and it wouldn't matter, you know. Yeah. Um, and a lot of, and you know what, the thing is a hell of a lot of those games are on the on the Nintendo Switch, and a good amount of them in some weird cases, like fucking as of a few weeks ago, something with stuff like Stardew Valley are on iPhone. Um, so like. I still think there's going to be this weird thing where Starfield's going to come out and it will, like, it doesn't, it doesn't, like, I haven't even stopped to think about whether Starfield will run on my Steam Deck because <laughs> I don't right. play Starfield on my Steam Deck. There will still be a thing of, like, just because that can, does not does that mean you should? And you also talked about, like, the convenience layer and the convenience element of, like, oh, yeah, my PS5 controller, like, kind of, like... Uh, can go into like but then you don't have your ps5 controller with you and all of a sudden you're looking at a version of assassin's creed mirage with like weird circle like, half half opacity circles in the in the corners of the screen so like oh like i hope i remember i hope my thumb instinctively remembers where to touch the screen to uh, stab that guy in the fucking neck those oh, controls are horrible aren't they they're so bad that's what happens when you don't have a controller with you. And then you're bringing controller with you and you can't hold them both at the same time. So then you're buying one of those weird brackets that <laughs> attaches to the back of your controller and also holds your phone for you. Now and you're that the, guy. Yeah, then you're that guy. Then, you're and, that then guy. and then, uh, yeah, and then we go back to last week where you've essentially accidentally made your own homemade PlayStation portal. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, the whole thing just kind of gets this weird situation where, like, actually, like, you know what the best mobile game of all time is? Threes. And it's still the best mobile game of all time. And it's still the thing that I would play if I had to get a tube. I was on the tube today, and I played threes. I didn't play anything else. I didn't play play Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. I didn't complete the first mission of Grand Theft Auto San Andreas when I downloaded it on iOS. I went, oh, my God, GTA San Andreas? I bought it. I downloaded it. I was like, oh, yeah. And then I went and played some, like, free thing where I matched three tiles, and and then it asked me for money. (laughs) That's like, that's... So and I know I'm getting so far off the bean bath now, but I'm just like I-? And, no, I think like- I think you I think ninety percent of what you say
0: I completely agree with. The the <laughs> yeah. only I think the only time I I, I diverge at any degree, the ten percent is is I wonder if part of the thing is that it just it just take it will take something for people to, you know, cross you know, cross the cross the Rubicon or whatever you say, just to kind of try it and then be like, Okay, damn, this works, this is really good. And I and I think that's coming. I don't necessarily think it's here yet. But I, I with like you know, with things like the Steam Deck, with like uh, the Switch Two apparently being much more powerful than the Switch One, or just games looking much better at least. Mm. I do wonder if if you get to the point where you say I've got I can buy a three hundred pounds Steam or how much is going to be a Switch Two. I can spend however much it is on a Steam Deck. I've got a one thousand pound bit of kit in my pocket, which will already do all of this. And suddenly, Apple become real players in the the handheld market. But I, but actually, yeah. I think you're totally right. I think the games that are going to suddenly do well, they shouldn't have even been looking at. I'm um, actually, you know, what, no, they should for visuals. I understand it, but when it comes to like natively, if they'd have got Cold of the Lamb or if they'd have got Hades running natively, I think that would have appealed to to many more people. And then you have the whole issue of how do you how do you Get over the problem of how do you hold the, the phone with a controller, and all that stuff has to be solved yeah. because at the moment it's nasty. Um, and until someone comes out of a phone case which does everything you want to do is slick, small, compact, and then you click one button on the side and it transforms into a a cool little holding unit with a controller integrated. I think we're we're not there yet. We're not there yet.
1: So we'll see. we're not we're not we're not there yet. And and I and I I think I need to see a lot more before I'm convinced that we need to be there. I think that's the key thing that people but not enough people are stopping to ask themselves.
0: Agreed. Agreed. Well um with that uh we've run over a little bit um this one was only going to be short as we said in the beginning. Thank you everyone for stopping by. Um thank you everyone in the chat for chatting away. Um stay tuned to our channel for next week as we are back next Monday for more uh gaming news. And um yeah, Jamie, thank you very much. That's Thank the- you sir. It's been a pleasure. Um, I'm going to try and get us right around this week so I don't cut us off before people have managed to see the end of the show. But thank you very much, everybody, for watching and we will see you soon. Bye.
1: Bye. And don't forget...